Oh, oh, oh. Happy Christmas to all you a year in horror listeners out there. Oh yeah, happy Christmas day. That's when this is getting released. If you're listening on the day, fan-flippin-tastic. I truly hope that you're doing well. And if you're unable to spend the day with someone that you love, then that's okay. There is a whole community out here in Horrorland. Just reach out, say hi to someone. I know I did when I was feeling down at the turn of COVID and it turned my fortunes around. So you do get people that suck. I've met them along the way too, but since I've started up this podcast, they are few and far between. And know this, it means the world to me that you're clicking on this and that you choose to spend some of your time with me, especially of this day of all days. I'm privileged. I mean it. I know it. So thank you. Thank you so much. Anyways, uh, last year, Christmas Day, do you remember that one? Well, we had special guest Matthew Davies Cray from Funeral for a Friend on and we launched the Amityville series, which is now in full swing over on the Patreon channel. Uh, And yeah, while I'm at it, the year in horror, we've got a Patreon channel. We have several series going on over there, at least four new episodes a month, all for less than a price of a latte at Starbucks. Helps me out no end. So, yeah, it is on patreon.com forward slash a year in horror. Thank you in advance. And that's all I'm going to do. That's all I'm going to say about Patreon. Thanks. But as I just mentioned before I early doors the uh, little ad for the Patreon channel there, uh, I was just mentioning Funeral for a Friend. Uh, But this year's guest, this Christmas guest, it's the turn of Cancer Bats. Jay Swarzer, in fact. He is the bass player, the guitarist, and the general noisemaker from the Canadian hardcore punk ragers. The movie he has chosen to chat about this season, well, of course, it's Black Christmas, a.k.a. Stranger in the House. And yeah, if this movie doesn't make your skin crawl, then it's on too tight. This one is a Canadian proto-slasher directed by Bob Clark and... Obviously, this film excels where so many other latter-day slashes falter. From locations, to casting, to the wonderful sound effects, to the scripting, the blocking, the cinematography. This, I mean, the blocking around the sofa. Jesus. Uh, This one just sets the benchmark. The cast in this thing is also awesome. We have Olivia Hussey as Jess. She is the lead in this. And yes, of course, she has major horror credentials. Uh, And I've got a pinpoint two for you. She has this shamefully minor role in the 1990 It miniseries as Bill's wife. Uh, That's where I first saw her. And I've definitely seen that thing uh, when I was growing up at least 30 times. But my favourite from her is the mad 1982 Aussie humans hunting humans fun packed weirdo flick called Turkey Shoot. If you haven't seen that i think i caught it on youtube and if you do watch it keep an eye on the way she holds her weapon this is a woman that should not ever be trusted with live ammunition or a handgun in any way john saxon plays lieutenant fuller just like he plays a lieutenant uh, on a nightmare on elm street you know it it's his job in most films he's a cop andrea martin plays phil james edmund plays mr harrelson douglas mcgrath is sergeant nash Most importantly though, Margot Kidder in maybe her greatest ever performance as Barb. And she's not even the lead. Well, I actually love her a little bit more in Sisters. I don't know, 
maybe that original Amityville horror as well. She's amazing in that. Regardless, wherever you see her, she's a scene stealer. Uh, many say that she was never better than when she starred in some Canadian comedy called Heartaches in 1981. And I've mentioned this before, but I'm never going to bother with that film. So with that, let's do this chat. This is myself and Jay from Cancer Bats. Months ago now, many, many months ago, probably over half a year ago we were doing this chat. But what I did was I put it in a jar, I pickled it, I let it stew in its own juices, and here it is already. I've unpopped the jar. It's ready for Christmas. So, yeah, I'm going to see you on the other side. Bye. Remember those idyllic scenes out of your childhood? Crisp winter nights, sleigh bells, crackling yule logs. Remember those. Remember them well. After Black Christmas, they'll never be the same again. Black Christmas. If this movie doesn't make your skin crawl, it's on too tight. Rated R. Are you wearing a Wham shirt like the band Wham? Yeah, the band Wham. Like it's not even uh, it's not even ironic. I love the band Wham. Who? I mean, if you're just a fan of music, which I. I'm gathering you are, and I know I am. Like, you kind of, if there's a hit to be had, you're in. Like, how do you not sing along to Wham? I, well, it was my very first album that I ever got given for for a Christmas. And it was like, since then, not being able to stop. What can I do? Once you pop, you can't stop. (laughs) Once you you go pop, you can't stop. (laughs) (laughs) Jay, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Stoked to be here. I love your band. Um, so, oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I want to catch up with where Cancer Bats are right now, because it's been a little bit quiet. Unless you're on Instagram, it has been a little bit quiet recently. So, yeah, uh, I noticed that the tour has been announced now. Uh, it's not that far away for the UK. Uh, and what gets me is that the 2000 Trees one is your Bat Sabbath performance. So when I've seen you before... It was London, and I had no idea what Bat Sabbath was until I think it was an encore, and it was just a stretch of like three songs or four songs or something. Blew my socks off. I just that week gotten into Black Sabbath. It was like this massive hole in my life, and it was oh my word, that's crazy, isn't it? That's strange. Like what I just thought. I'm going to get into Black Sabbath one day, and I, I did. feel like without Black Sabbath, I probably wouldn't play music. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, well, after I discovered Black Sabbath, I formed my band. Uh, Yeah. And I was in. What's your band? So, I'm in a band called Ohms. Ohms? Good name. Yeah. 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 There we go. Yeah. So, like, Doom, Doom, Sludge, Horror. That's what we do. Yeah. Seeing you that week, getting into Black Sabbath that week, that was huge for me. Uh, So, the first question is Is it equal pressure? Like, when when you do a Black Sabbath show, is it the same? Uh, I feel like there's like a side of it that I like, I don't know if you've like cancer bat shows are already like really fun. I'm not, I'm not somebody that's just like, I love going on tour and playing shows. It's legit. It's everything I wanted to do as a kid. And now I'm a grown ass adult and I get to do it as a career. I'm like, it's, it's a pretty like fortunate position to be in. So I legitimately have a great time playing shows then getting to go out and be in like a cover version of my all-time favorite band is kind of like there's a side of it that's a little more fun you can't you're a little more loose about things like you ought like we obviously want to pay an homage and like play everything really well but man like we just like you throw high kicks out there you're just like whatever like liam's wearing a cape you're like let's just have a good time like we don't have to take it overly serious, you know, because I find when you're like, if, when you see a cover band that's like a little too serious about it, it's a little, I find it a little too rigid, you know? Thing is, right, when I saw this, and I've only seen um, Bat Sabbath once, I've seen you guys several times, um, but it was so weird that How Destroyer had the the more mad crowd than, than Black Sabbath, and I was like, like, oh, how can how can you top this? Oh, so you must have then encored with How Destroyer. You must have done that, done it that way because the place went absolutely shit crazy for your own stuff. That must feel fantastic. 
it's a right, pretty good feeling especially like because that's what it was at the end like we did a whole bat sabbath set and then we came out we just did a few cancer bat tunes i remember that and it was like man like we just did an hour of bat sabbath and people were like really into it and then you're doing your own songs it was like all of a sudden like the cancer bats fans that were like kind of in the back of the room were like suddenly like out of the way and <laughs> just like just dominating like the whole mosh pit and i was like how does anybody still have this much energy <laughs> no i'm with it. it it's mad um th this is uh, an important question for me because it hasn't happened to you yet and i remember there was a period where everyone was saying have they gone gone off the boil a bit and and then you've raged back but then it's been year after year after year album 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 are you scared of burnout because the run is pretty hot right now like it must be in the back of your mind i think i think we take enough time in between records that even when we do maybe have something like like a writer's block for lack of a better term the breaks are long enough that you can like work your way through it. I kind of like, I hate it in the moment, but at the same time, I'm like, I know we're going to get through this. I know that the block is going to go away. And then all of a sudden I'm going to pick up a guitar and there's just going to be idea, 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 idea. I've, so I'm not, again, like, I don't think I'll ever be worried about burnout um, from a writing perspective because Again, this is everything I've wanted to do my entire life. So I take it, I put a lot into it. The ebbs and the flows, the ups and the downs. As far as like playing shows and having burnout, that's probably something that would happen easier. But as we've all gotten older, we've always kind of taken care of ourselves. I feel like as we've gotten older, we've all gotten even more into like physical fitness and like we don't drink like we used to and they, you know, like yeah. things like that, you know, where we're just like, man, if I'm, you know, we're into our forties now, I want to keep doing this. I should probably be in shape, <laughs> yeah, you know, to do it. So yeah, I, I've never really put much thought into burnout and maybe that's why there's never really been any burnout. Cause I'm, I'm not thinking about it. I, I always get worried with my favorite bands that they reach the stage where like it, it, it sort of gets a bit stagnant and then you're treading water and then you, as a listener, you try and find something out, you know, some, someone else. And it hasn't happened with you yet, but like every year, that. like when a new, new album comes out, I am like, cause I know how bands work. I know how this thing works in the music industry. And yeah, so, so far so good, but I'm always worried. So my final question is like, you must be working on new music. When's something else coming out? Have, have you got any set plans yet or are you still in the writing stage? Um, we're not in a mega rush to write anything new. Like um, Psychic Jailbreak just came out like a year ago. Yeah. There's a few songs that we have uh, kind of left over from that that didn't make the album. So there's a couple like songs kicking around that um, will probably pop up in the next while. Uh, unless we decide to do something a little more interesting with it and maybe sit down and write a few more songs to go with them like all that stuff's kind of up in the air at the moment i'm always writing anytime i'm home and i've got like 30 minutes or an hour or whatever i'll pick up and play around so there's like little riffs kicking around liam and i were actually talking about a song we didn't even bother recording it because we were like oh, it's not quite there but it was like pretty far down the road and it and then we revisited it uh like just a couple weeks ago actually right. and they're like man we should have done this this song is it's good <laughs> like so there's there's things there's things around that we can work on when we find the time we're going to be pretty busy touring for the rest of the year i think got it uh which i'm excited about but anytime i'm home stuff gets worked on it gets little ideas get hashed out well i mean I'm pretty excited for what's going forward. I'm going to be at the Bat Sabbath show, but I'm not going to be able to see you on any of the other dates. I'm playing with my own band and, and doing interviews for this thing. Uh, is so, our Ohms playing? Uh, no, no we're playing the Sister Festival, which is called Arc Tangent. So, oh, yeah, that, that festival's awesome. Yeah, man. So the the promoter does both of them, and yeah, yeah, one's more arty and stonery, and the other one is more sort of punky and hard. So yeah. Oh, that rules. I like I've seen Arctangent 
lineups in the past and just been like, man, I wish I was either playing or attending that festival. We luck out in this country because there's so much good. Sort of, if you love that underground stuff, there's mm-hmm. tons of it out there. You just got to dig a little bit, man. But yeah, we're, yeah. we're spoiled here. Um, right. Before we get into horror, it's a horror podcast after all. Um, <laughs> have, a, have a think on, on these songs that you've written, this back catalogue of Cancer Bats. If you were approached by uh, a horror director and they said, we want a track from you, from your back catalogue, to be over the top of this gnarly kill, what one are you going to choose? My instant thought, just because it's about uh odorous orungus from guar is our song called all hail odorous because it's super thrashy it's like gnarly and it's about like the monster of all monsters you know the space alien the scum dog of the universe yes. it's about you know dave brocky and odorous orungus and it was like uh an ode to his legacy uh that would be a pretty gnarly one i've always really thought devil's blood would be a pretty sick song to put over into a movie Again, it's kind of just yeah. like gnarly, thrashy, like balls of the wall. Well, I've got to make you choose one because we're going to play into it right now. Oh, in in uh, in honor of Dave, then I think I think I think we should do all hail odorous. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> okay, so um horror, horror podcast. Thank you for coming on uh, to talk with me about horror. Um, as I say, big fan of the band. But what I tend to do with these things, if I reach out to a band and they say, "Oh, do you know what? I'm not really into horror," puts me off the band. I, yeah, <laughs> it really does. Yeah, yeah. I I stop listening to them and I go on to something else. So thank goodness he said, "Yeah, uh, right." Okay. What's your history of horror? Where's it begin? Where's it end? You into the new stuff? Is it just old? Tell me all about it. No, I definitely like a lot of. I think I I lean more towards like the 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 classics, like the era of like the seventies and the eighties. I kind of I have an affinity for most eras. I'd say even the real like goofy schlocky kind of like almost like buddy comedy stuff that was coming out in the the like mid to late eighties. Yep. But I tend to like a lot of the older stuff. Um, and then you get, I don't know, the they're revisiting stuff from the 90s or like the early 2000s that maybe I wasn't so into at the time. I go back and I'm like, you know what? That's actually pretty good. You know, I and like, I feel like my whole kind of going back to your question, like where it began was probably because as a kid, I wasn't allowed, wasn't supposed to be watching right. horror movies uh you know it was like my parents were like that'll give you nightmares or something and i was like okay <laughs> but i i i'm so i have um i have like a i've had chronic insomnia my whole life so i don't sleep the best right. and i found as a kid if like i wasn't a, if i wasn't able to sleep i'd like sneak into like the television room of our house and i just put something on it late at night it would either be like real gnarly action movies or like weird horror movies and uh i got think i got more into the horror movies back then 
when, well, when you're going through insomnia, you're in a fuzz as well. So that's gonna yeah. that's gonna help the whole effect. You like it's like like bad downers or something. I remember I just had about a, a month of it, and I had to get pills from a doctor just to snap me out of this weird funk. I could not escape it, and you you like living in a dream. So adding horror to that, that's mental. Yeah, especially when you like. Uh, add in movies like like a nightmare on elm street that's like well if you fall asleep <laughs> freddy's gonna get you and i'm like oh no <laughs> i'll do it do you go like back to like the universal monsters and stuff like that or or does that stuff not interest you is it more i have in the past it? there's something about those that i think is like is also really entertaining if you think about like how and when it was made Sure. You know, something like a Dracula or a, I always I've always been really into the Frankenstein, like the, the first few Frankenstein were uh, some of the ones I really liked for that from that era the most. And then like they always had like they intermingled, you know, like Bella Lugosi's playing Dracula in the Frankenstein Bride of Frankenstein or something. I tell you what, I've I got bought the box set and I ripped through it. And I just thought it would be like homework. And by the end, when I got to the the final one, which was Creature from the Black Lagoon, I was having such good fun with it all. Um, it just suddenly it snapped. It's like those Italian movies. You don't get them at first, and then suddenly, oh, yeah. yeah. That's a good. That's a good comparison. That's a good line to draw. Like from that, <laughs> in like the whole like, uh, like some like you're speaking like on the Italian horror stuff, like. Dario Argento and sure yeah yeah cool yeah first I'm like what am I watching what I mean I remember being like 17 watching Suspiria and just thinking this is shit what is this I hated every minute of it there is that side of the there is that side of it where yeah it doesn't really land with you when you're young because you're like I just want to see something get slashed and then you know like I probably didn't like what's the one is it just called opera yeah opera man when I was a kid I was kind of like this is boring I probably watched that like six months or seven months ago and I was like needles in the eyes (laughs) it's so so aggressive (laughs) my first watch of that was this year blew me away absolutely stunning I couldn't believe what I was watching but yeah Yeah. you're right if I'd seen it back then I would have been like this what am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> Utter trash. What about new stuff? So like uh, what people uh, hate being called elevated horror and stuff like that. Is it stuff that you follow? Are you still into horror as it comes out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, um, I find, uh, I was actually having this conversation with a friend of mine earlier today. We were just talking about, I, I was talking about how I was coming on this podcast Sweet. And, and they asked the question, do you like, some new horror and I was like yeah a lot of the A24 stuff is interesting like I know it's like very on brand and people are very like buying into everything that A24 is doing sure and I think a lot of it is like really enjoyable I like how tons of it goes places that you're not expecting from start to finish like it's like you start the movie like I won't give anything away but I just watched uh Bo is Afraid can't wait to see that and i'm like watching it and i'm like this is pretty cool like it's actually kind of funny at points i was like this is this is really cool and then it goes to a couple places where i was like what the actual fuck is happening here you know or like uh men that movie men you could not have convinced me that that's how that movie was gonna end (laughs) all right yeah you know, like I'm watching, I was like, wow, this is creepy. This is like pretty wild. And then it's just like, like you're kind of just like squinting, like, am I seeing what I'm seeing right now? Like, so I do like that about, there's a lot, I, I, I feel like that's like a theme that's starting to happen more and more in like modern horror is like, there's a really good story. Horror's always had a really good storyline. I think it's a uh, an underrated thing is how well like a lot of horror movies were, have been written. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh but like a lot of the like A24, you know, it's like Ari Aster, like the writing is really good. And it, it's this really like psychological thing is happening. And then all of a sudden you're just like, oh, okay, this is fucked. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like the shock. I recently did this uh, whole six hour episode thing over a few days, all about A24. And so I saw every single film 
that they would count as horror or related to horror. And you come out of it a different person. It's it's it feels like art without I I I, I love the stuff. Yeah, it feels like um above me again, and it doesn't feel like it ever talks yeah, down yeah. to me. So yeah, I'm I'm I love the stuff. Yeah, it's so, kind of like the artistic side of things is catching up to. I I've like not that I'm like a like I I don't know an entire filmography of like French horror, but I find French horror movies have always been like really artistic. Uh, I had this discussion with another friend of mine uh, on a different podcast, but we were talking about like French horror and just how like it is super artistic. It's also like really brutal <laughs> and like like uh, like the kill scenes in them are like just fucking vicious. So you have this like plot that's going along and the story's unfolding. And then all of a sudden it's just like brutal murder happens and you're, but it's, but it's realistic. It's not like a, an entity has killed someone or like, it's a, it's like the, the killers in the house. It's just like relatable because it could just be anyone in the street. That's like, Oh, now I have a tire iron and I'm bludgeoning someone to death. You're like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, there's something that happened in the last few years that sort of now starting to fizzle out. And I'm sort of glad it is because I find it really hard to watch. And it's the repeated stabbing. So it's like not just when you've been stabbed once or twice, but they just don't stop. Like, it just gets me. It makes me feel sick because it's a real thing, you know, it's just. Yeah, ugh. right. It's Some too, kind of... it kind of hits too close to home because you're like, I know that's possible. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's it. I just saw. Um, I'm just rewatching X right now, and then I forgot. I keep forgetting there's one in that where the old old lady just kills that guy. Ah, oh, it got me. Uh, right, okay. So, saying all this, where's Black Christmas, the film we're gonna just sort of talk a little bit today? Where's that all fit? Like, did you see this growing up, or was, like me, was it one that you come to as an adult? I definitely saw it growing up. Uh, I feel like it was on like really late night on uh, like much like how, how you have like the BBC. Uh, we have the CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. Wow. Okay. And I feel like I saw it very, very, very late at night once when I was a kid, you know, after hours type thing because it's a Canadian made. It was made in Toronto. So I feel like I watched it really late at night on the CBC or something like that. And I was just like, at the time as a kid, I was, I, I already had seen Halloween and that's one of my favorite horror movies. And I was like, whoa, this reminds me a lot of Halloween, you know, like yeah. the point, the point of view, like you're kind of seeing through the eyes of the killer and things like that. And it wasn't until many, many years later that I realized that it actually preceded Halloween and a lot of those movies, uh, that sort of like, I, I, I won't say stole, but because that like stole is I think too aggressive a word, but you know, like obviously it influenced a lot of those movies later on, which like, as I grew up and watched it more and more, I was like, Oh, you know, uh, the call is coming from inside the house is like a thing, like when a stranger calls, but that movie's like yeah. five, six years after. It's one of those films that when I started to, to dig because of this program, like before it, there isn't a lot like it. Yeah, there's, it's got elements of a few things that have come before, but like you could definitely say that this one has laid like the blueprint for what followed with regards to like the 80s slasher. Um, yeah. I, I and like you, I always thought that that was Halloween, that was where it came from. But no, it, it like it stems from here, yeah. And then, like, so that one's a Christmas themed one, then there's like uh. What are some of the other ones like? Oh, got April Fool's Day. Come on, April Fools, uh, uh, Bloody Valentine, like everything, like kind of around like a holiday. <laughs> You're like, oh, you kind of kicked off the holiday slasher. I'll take it. Yeah, I, I love it. It gives me, uh, it gives me a reason to put an episode out. So <laughs> I'm not going to knock it. <laughs> Perfect. So I recently spoke with. Margot Kidder's niece. Um, oh, no kidding! Yeah. And she she gave me a few like little tidbits, little stories uh, about her auntie. And 
to hear some of what the, the stories were, I can see why she went straight into mov- movies and TV herself. It sounds like she was living just this fabulous by with a capital F life at the time. Yeah. Like just as you would imagine like a movie star to be just from the stories that she told you, you know, they can always be embellished. But like when I see Barb in this, the character that she plays, I don't see that. Like I believe that she is like a, a burgeoning alcoholic, like, you know, at the end of her education and just had enough with life already. Um, yeah. What do you think of Margot Kidder in this? It was funny because Again, like I probably didn't see this movie till I guess, well, yeah, definitely would have been like late 80s, early 90s or something by the time I was old enough to watch it. So I'd already seen things like Superman. Yeah. Which she's like, she's huge in Superman. Like she is in whatever, like three or four of the Superman movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she's in the first three. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so she's like a massive star. Like at the time, she's like a big leading lady in Hollywood. And then, you know, realizing that she did black christmas first and not at the tail end of a career (laughs) no you're like oh that's that's pretty cool that like you kind of got your start in this movie and then you went on to these massive bigger better leading lady thing yeah she she is in this film uh by de palma called sisters as well where she um uh, plays twins uh and she's just stunning in it and it's it's weird when you talk when i mentioned like elevated horror before like this is really early uh early examples of what would later become that um i just think she's fantastic and like she's so charismatic i can't help uh but just follow her on the screen even when she's not speaking a line and she's just sitting in the background drinking or whatever like I'm interested in what she's doing. Like, really she's rare. She's a big for me to player that. in that movie. Like she, she really like steals a lot of the scene. Like the whole fellatio thing in Black Christmas. <laughs> yes. She's like it's fellatio, and like you can tell. Like I don't know. There's something about like her delivery and all that stuff. Or when she's on the phone, and she's just like get fucked and all that stuff. You're yeah. like, I believe you. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think I. I don't know. I think I love her a bit. Um, okay, so yeah, there there's so many, and like that movie, like her being in it, John Saxon being in it. I don't know if you're aware of uh, who Andrea Martin is, but Andrea Martin plays Phil. Phil, yeah, yeah, she's like a Canadian celebrity. She's like a Canadian, a Canadian uh, comedian, comedic actress. Wow, I didn't know that. She's she um she used to be on this show in the '80s called uh, SCTV, which was Second City Television, which is a a troupe of like comedians and they had like a skit television skit show that was like John Candy, Eugene Levy, Joe Flaherty, Martin Short, uh, Dave Thomas, like all these like heavy hitters in, in the world of comedy. And she, she so was on the show. Like a Saturday night live type of thing. Yeah. Kind of like the Canadian version of that. Oh, is that on YouTube? Oh, I'm yeah. hundred percent. You can find it. Ah, <laughs> She had a character named Edith Prickly, who was insanely funny. Right. Well, that's yeah. my night sorted. <laughs> oh, yeah. Andrea so- Martin. Even what's uh the main character Jess? Her her she's like she's from the UK. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um oh Olivia Olivia Hussey. Olivia Hussey. She was like, didn't she do that like really over the top? Romeo and Juliet and all that stuff. I know her from it. Like, so she's, yeah. she's in it. I think she plays one of their wives. She's only got a small part. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that's where I knew her from. I had to look it up because where do I know this face from? Right in there. So there we go. Yeah. every it's, There's so many actually like big name actors in it. Yeah. I, I love that Saxon like played pretty much the same role <laughs> for Nightmare on Elm Street. I love that. Exactly. Yeah, what do yeah. I got to do? So this, yep, yeah. no worries, got it down. You know how to be a cop in a small town? Do <laughs> I? I did it years ago. Yeah, I like to think it's the same same character, just a little bit later on in life, maybe. Yeah. Uh, right, okay, so uh, I don't want to spoil this thing, but I would love to know what your favourite moment is. So if it's not the very ending, 
which I, I find actually quite convoluted, but still good. <laughs> I still like it. Um, what's your favorite moment of this thing? Man, that's a hard, that is a hard question. Probably when Jess is losing it, when, what's his name, Officer Nash is like, <laughs> You're good. he's like, he's like, just get out of the house. And then he's just like, the killer's in the house, get out of the house. And she's just losing it. She's like, Barb, Phil, answer me. And she's losing it. And then finally gets chased out of the house when he grabs over the railing and grabs her hair and yanks her back. And she's like, just trying to get out of there. Her, her, she's a great actress in this movie. That part where she's like really selling it. She's terrified. She's concerned for her friends. That's probably the best. Cause it's so climactic there too. Yeah. That's maybe one of the best parts. That might be my favorite part. There's a few others I'd say like the shot where she's in the bed, everything's, you know, Peter, everything happened with Peter and all like right. all the cops and everything. And she's like sedated in the bed and the, the, the dad of the other, the other girl are like, he's passed out in the chair and it's just that one single shot into the room and it just slowly pans out and everything's happening around. There's all the, dialogue happening actually what am i talking about the best scene is the plastic bag that's the best scene <laughs> that's the best scene for sure plastic bag over the face and then her in the rocking chair in the attic that's it that's the it's best scene. Be. i've also i want to mention um barb's death i just think it is oh. incredibly iconic now and at the time you know these things weren't treated like they were sort of in the eighties as a cheap thing. Let's just get it out to a video store or anything. So I can see yep. why there are such like great camera choices and like some cool blocking and the way all that, the, all the sort of cinephile stuff is actually happening on screen. I get that, but it's not happenstance that that whole scene with the arching over and all that stuff just looks so iconic and so classy it's just great filmmaking uh, and it gives oh, yeah. me a little tingle when I see it. Every time I watch this thing, oh, I feel great. It's so good. Like when it, when it's like looking up at him and he's just a shadow and then it's just the eye. It's amazing. Like that is an iconic image for sure. You're completely right. Uh, before we go, uh, I, I, I haven't prepped you for it, but I want to know just off the cuff. So we're talking ah. slashes. I would say this is maybe the first. So I'd love you just to recommend to to our listeners uh, what you would feel is like a great double bill for this one. So yeah, you've got you've got Black Christmas, but what else would you put with it? Cool, like going to the drive-in and watching two movies in right. one night. Yeah. Oh man, Black Christmas for sure. I'm trying to think of like another maybe like unheralded horror movie. Oh, you know what? I'm just going to throw this out there. Maybe you've seen this, maybe you haven't. Demons. Demons? Yes. Demons. That The whole thing in the movie theater, man, yeah. that movie is, every time I watch it, I'm like, I, I, I'm kind of like, how did I not remember how good this is? I got two, I got two dogs <laughs> just barking at the door. I mean, it's fair, right? Yeah. I love my dog more than anything. If he wants to have a go, you go. Yeah, Postman, all right. No, no hope. Um, I saw Kate Bush uh, when she did a London residency uh, a few years back. And How was that? Yeah, oh, man, it was incredible. Um, but there is in the middle of it, there's a helicopter that swoops down from what was the Hammersmith Odeon and like goes over your head and it swoops down onto the the, the stage. And I'm instantly thinking of demons. Just as, as that happens, I'm just thinking, where's the motorbike? What's going to the motorbike? Yeah. yeah. Like, when he's instantly. ripping through on that dirt bike. Oh, man. It's the best. It is the best. I love demons. Final thing. And I always like to do this because uh, I think these classic movies need to be taken down a little peg. Is there anything when you rewatch this? Is there anything that sort of doesn't work for you today? It's fine to say, no, this is perfect. But is it for anything? in Black Christmas? Yeah. 
I don't think so. Cause every time I love the ending. I love how it's not like you never, I, I really like how you don't find out who Billy is or anything. Like there's no backstory. I, uh-huh. I'd say my big complaint about the remake in 2006 is that there's too much too much story about that. I kind it's of love, I love when stuff is kind of left to to figure out on your own or to just not know. You know, sometimes it's nice in a movie when there is no backstory, there is no like clarification on something because you're just like this this is just this moment in time. This is what you're seeing. You don't need to know what happened there. You don't need to know what happened here. You know? Certain things, that's something I've always, like, kind of touching on, like, uh, French horror. That's something I've always liked is so much happens off screen, in, in, I find, in a lot of those movies that is yeah. almost just assumed. And then and then you kind of just, yeah, it's just, the, the story keeps going. So I love that. I love that you never find out who's Billy doesn't matter. What's he talking about? Who's Agnes? I don't know. It doesn't matter. He's just there in that moment and he's wreaking havoc. So yeah, I kind of, I feel like I don't have a, I, I think that's a traditional complaint about it is like, well, you never find out. I'm like, I love that you never find out. I think it's got something to do with it being Canadian because American stuff always seems to be like if there was a, a baddie around this time, like a, a an evil person, they would get some comeuppance, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and Canada just every now and again will throw that. Nah, nah. Yeah. I can imagine leaving the cinema just being at the time being absolutely furious because now that, that sort of thing's to a penny. Like you watch The Mist. Uh, at the end of the mist, you'd you'd leave going, oh my god, no! But but back then, you know, this was like, what have you done? Where's the yeah. conclusion? You know, and I feel like, nah, that is a good conclusion. That's the way I want it to finish. Yeah, I can't pull this film apart either. No, that that's one of them that I'm like, I think it's just great the way it is, like. It just, everything about it works. There's like, I love that uh, even, there's like even funny stuff that happens. I don't know if you know anything about the guy that directed it, uh, Bob Clark. No. He also made A Christmas Story. Like the one with Ralphie and the red BB. Red wow, okay. He made that movie. So he loves Christmas. He also made this like, fraternity college like thing called porkies oh i used to love porkies growing up it's not so it hasn't aged well it has not aged well (laughs) (laughs) he made porkies as well what so when when there's those parts where they're like busting on the one cop because he doesn't he doesn't know what fellatio means yeah like that's that's like Porky's humor right there to me. Like that's the comedy. That makes sense. Um, there's the stuff. I don't know if it was an intention of them when they made the movie, but there's all that stuff with Jess and her boyfriend about having an abortion, and it's like pretty. It's pretty heavy. Sure. You know, yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. you're gonna do this because I'm telling you, you can't have an abortion. And she's like, it's my body, and I'm gonna do what I want. I I don't know if it was their intention to create that conversation. But it what like it like thinking about that in 2023 when everything that's happening around like abortion yeah. rights is happening, I'm like, man, it's right. been a conversation for a real long time, hasn't it? So there's like a social uh commentary there that's still relevant. Like it's just kind of through and through a really great movie. There's not a lot I would pick apart. That's uh, as a final thought from me as well. Like having that in there, it isn't just tossed off with a couple of words a, a little bit of dialogue here it's a it's a sort of major plot point within this film a slasher doesn't deserve that sort of thing you know um maybe they should maybe they do maybe deserve they should. that yeah that's a good point yeah. yeah jay thanks for coming on mate it's been awesome
Also, speaking on Chiller TV in 2015, the composer of this film's score, Carl Zitra, he stated that he created this film's mysterious music by tying on forks, combs and knives uh, onto the strings of the piano just to warp the sound of the keys. He also stated that he would distort that sound further by recording those wonky notes onto an audio tape and then slowing down the playback. You can hear it all over this thing. And again, for a 70s horror project, I'm just amazed at the detail and the passion and the love of the craft that went into the creation of this film. I don't know why I think that though, because this budget isn't that shabby. In today's money, it costs the equivalent of 7.2 million to make, and it made good on that investment by raking in just under 50 million in box office returns, uh, adjusted for inflation, of course, but that's a lot. But we're, we're going past the point. Is this soundtrack any good? Yeah, it's incredible. Front to back, it's one of those that you can actually put on and just play. There's been recent special editions of vinyl as well. They are still available, although they're very pricey. But yeah, Cold Zitra really hits the nail on the head with, well, just a soundtrack which, although on the face of it, seems quite usual seems quite classical doesn't seem out of the ordinary when you give it some time it's really creepy all those odd effects they really add up to just this great great score and where can you find it well this one is available to stream for free on plex and filmsy in the uk uh, and just like with rare exports in the usa you're not going to struggle to find this anywhere it is free all over the shop it appears to be on just everything except disney and netflix it's free as for podcasts Another new podcast to me called The Horror Friendly Podcast. They covered Black Christmas in December 2021. And at the very same time, Fun With Horror. They had their say as well. That's Fun With Horror Podcast. And that is it. Number eight, Black Christmas. There you have it. Once again, many thanks to Jay Swarger from Cancer Bats. He came on to chat about horror with us. And I just want to say I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I'm very thankful on this Christmas, Christmas Day. I'm going to be back on New Year's Day with a brand new year to add to the collection of horror movie podcasting that I've added to the universe. That is a year in horror. (laughs) 